previously on At the Movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz. By the way, I understand he shaved his head. Is he totally bald now? Yes, he is. In fact, that was the one thing that took me by surprise when I met him. It's like, oh my God, what happened to his hair? Did you say that to him? No, I kept it to myself, and it's like, well, this is new styles, and I'm going to rock with it. Hello, friends. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Well, welcome to yet Ooh. another edition. <laughs> it hasn't been canceled yet. No. Of the Arch and Lou at the Movies podcast. Oh, I'm, right. I'm Lou Katz, mm. and yet another page. Another page in the pathetic end of a mediocre career. <laughs> That's what this is. <laughs> Please welcome my favorite pal, Arch Campbell. Thank you, thank you, Lou Katz, my dear friend, the the radio voice, <laughs> the voice for decades of Washington D.C. And yeah. here we are on our own podcast, yes, talking about movies and entertainment and uh, Hound Radio and many things. You bet. And last night, uh, you and I watched a preview of the new movie, The Hustlers, Mm -hmm. with Jennifer Lopez. Right, and Constance Wu and Julia Stiles, Cardi B. Uh, You know, they they are, this is based on a real story uh, that was sort of an expose in New York Magazine of a group of strippers who were doing pretty well until the crash of 2008 because basically you saw the Wolf of Wall Street. Mm -hmm, Well, those were the guys coming to the club where they were, and then 2008 came and all the money dried up. So they came up with a new uh, business model, (laughs) and Jennifer Lopez leads them in this. They lure men to their apartment, and then drug them and rob them. Right. They, they, they steal their credit cards. Yes. And, and all in the name of empowerment, right. I think. Um, I I thought the movie was a little bit shallow because they never really go into the morality of that. Right. They're presenting it as, well, this is, this is empowerment. I like Constance Wu a lot from uh, Crazy Rich Asians mm-hmm. and uh, a couple of other things. She's very good. I'm I'm going to watch her for, uh, and she's sort of the innocent right. who uh, is single, and uh, her grandmother raised her, and she she only strips to uh, to make a living. It's the only thing she can do. And Jennifer Lopez, <laughs> go ahead, say it. Is so ripped in this. She she almost looks scary. She is she certainly is in the top physical condition she could ever be in. I mean, you could bounce a quarter off her off her <laughs> off her cheeks, <laughs> and it would just bounce forever. Crack an egg on them. I'm That's telling you, she thing. really wasn't in, in rare form. And it starts out with a dance number for Jennifer, and she's on the pole, and she's. Doing the splits and <laughs> and it, it physically it's quite something to see. I'm not exactly a fan of uh, this new movie because of the morality. I mean, you know, it's just uh, we're strippers. We got to make some kind of a living. Let's let's get these guys from Wall Street and drug them and rob them. I, I agree with you, Arch. I think it could have been a little deeper into the storyline. You know, uh, maybe, I mean, you get some of the backstory right. and some of their home life and that sort of thing, but uh, they never really go into the desperateness or, or the morality of it. This is a showcase for Jennifer Lopez, and we are reading that people are saying 
she might get an Oscar nomination. And, you know, she she acts and dances and, uh, and you know, am I, I, I think that that's probably in the cards because that would juice up the Oscars mm. if J-Lo were coming. But I'm, I'm mixed on it at best. What else have you seen? Uh, I saw another movie, The Goldfinch. A lot of people like Ansel Elgort, you know him. Refresh my memory. Nice, uh, good-looking young kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bombing at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and it changes the course of a young man's life. And uh, his mother dies, and he hustles a small painting out of the carnage and holds on to it the rest of his life. And there's lots of story, lots of plot, and it runs pretty good for a while, and then until it doesn't, until there's like one coincidence too many. And then I looked at my watch and realized <laughs> it's time to go. How numb my butt was. <laughs> and, uh, so Nicole Kidman like stars in that one too. Yeah, right? you know, I understand. It's a book, another right. one of those books, mm-hmm. a book about the size of the phone book, <laughs> the yellow pages mm-hmm. when it was big, and uh, just it's uh, probably a better book. So not wild about Hustlers, not wild about the Goldfinch. We saw a documentary on Linda Ronstadt, The Sound of My Voice, and I thought it was thrilling. Fantastic. The highlights of her career and the clips of her, uh, particularly in her early years. Oh, yeah. When when she was with the Stone Ponies. I started as a radio disc jockey on middle-of-the-road stations, and I played uh, a different drum by the Stone Ponies. You and I travel to the beat of a different drum. The documentary uh, points out that a different drum was written from a male perspective, and letting Linda Ronstadt have the lead in it sort of switched the uh, meaning, and uh, it almost became like an anthem of uh, women's liberation. Things I weren't aware of, like Don Henley being her uh, drummer in the band, and uh, they had interviews with all kinds of people. Record guru uh, David Geffen was in there, and Jackson Brown. I learned so much about Linda and her roots. Her father was Mexican. A a Mexican national who immigrated to uh, Tucson. And so much music in the family. It was just, I I learned so much about Linda Ronstadt, I had no idea. There's an excellent um, uh, memoir by her. And this is part of the run-up to the Kennedy Center Honors. Linda Ronstadt will be one of the honorees this year at the Kennedy Center Honors. And uh, she had a wonderful career. She did an album of uh, Mexican folk songs. She did an album of... Didn't uh, she do classical stuff, too? She did... um, Or opera? The Pirates of Penzance. Operetta on Broadway. And... Pulled it off. I mean, she was a gifted, gifted singer. So and fighting uh, Parkinson's, unfortunately, at this time. And toward the end of it, uh, she, you know, she has lost her voice, and so there is that poignancy. She is, and she's. I guess she's might be seventy now. Mm-hmm. She's, uh, you know, we. It's it's a career to look back and uh, be very proud of, and be proud of. Yeah. So. So that's uh, what we got at the movies these days. What else is going on in the mind of Arch now? Uh, there's a couple of anniversaries I'd like to discuss. Go for it. Well, this year, the Blair Witch Project will celebrate its 20th anniversary. 
And the cast and crew are going to get together for an anniversary show October 18th at the Weinberg Center for the Arts in Frederick, Maryland. And the director is an old friend of mine. He's a young guy, but he's he and I have been friends since before he started. He's on the line. Let's say hello to our pal Eduardo Sanchez. Hey! This is the little podcast I'm doing now, and I'm glad to have you on it. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So, first of all, I can't believe it's been 20 years since Blair Witch. And how did you come up with that found footage idea, which is brilliant? It was me and uh, Dan Myrick, who uh, I co-directed and co-wrote the movie with. And we were in film school. This is like, you know, early 90s. And we were kind of... Uh, disappointed at, at, at this where the horror genre was at the time right you know like there weren't they didn't weren't any like scary really scary movies so we started talking about the movies that scared us as kids and uh so we went out and rented a bunch of like in search of uh episodes whatever we could find those those kind of those fake documentaries like uh, chariot of the gods and um you know search of noah's ark all that kind of stuff and uh, like Legend of Boggy Creek was a big kind of influence. And we thought like, man, those those kind of uh, documentaries that made it seem like they were really, you know, that really, they were really looking for Bigfoot or they were really looking for UFOs or whatever. Those really creeped us out as kids. And then when we watched them as, a, as you know, as film students, we they still creeped us out. And we were like, I wonder if you could do that to a modern audience. So we came up with the idea of the filmmakers going into the woods to try to, you know, to, to research a, a myth, you know, some kind of myth about, you know, the Blair Witch or whatever. And then they disappear and then their footage is found years later. So that was kind of the idea. Only the footage is found. <laughs> we only found the footage. We have no idea what happened to them. It's a mystery. Yeah. People love those kind of mysteries, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's like you have, you know, you should be able to find out what happened, but you can't, you know, it seems like it's, you know, it, it's just frustrating. But, uh, you know, but I think that's what made the movie good, you know. So were you surprised or how surprised were you at the extent of the hit? Because as I recall, uh, the summer of 1999, people were lined up around the block. Uh, the screenings were selling out. It was this huge uh, surprise hit. And how surprised were you? pretty damn surprised Arch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, i mean we we knew we had something cool because you know just the reaction that people were having from the early screening and you know we thought we were like oh my god we, you know maybe we'll get like a video distribution deal and we'll be out on you know uh, vhs and dvd and you know those were the those were the early days of, of dvds and stuff and uh so we were we were so excited when you know we got into sundance and then you know artists and you know, bought the film, and then we were, when they told us they were going to actually release it in theaters, we were like, what? Um, <laughs> so it was a huge surprise, because, I mean, we wouldn't have made it as shaky as we did if, it, if we knew we were going to go to the theaters, you know? Yeah, how much money did you spend on, on Blair Witch? What did it cost you to produce it? The the initial the initial movie you see in the, in the theaters, like, you know, the, the, what cost about, about $25,000 to put in the can. <laughs> But, you know, we spent a lot more money after that. But, yeah, that was the initial, that was the initial, you know, budget. So, yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was just mostly on credit cards and stuff. And how much did it wind up making? It made, uh, I think, 240 worldwide. Uh, million? <laughs> yeah, 140 million in the U.S. It was, a, you know, it was a nice little profit there for, uh, 
you know, for us. So it was good. It was, I, I hope you got some of that, I hope. It was so out of the ordinary, like this, you know, a, a, an independent film, like such a small independent film making, you know, more than three or four million bucks. So like our agents, like kind of stack the, the deal so that if it made anything over 10 million, they would really start paying us like real money. Oh, wow. And the distributor, the distributors were like, nah, you know, they're like, we're not going to make $10 million. I mean, you know, luck, maybe 10 million, you know? So they just, they, they went along with it. And then when the movie started making a bunch of money, they, you know, they realized, oh my God, we just gave these filmmakers a lot of money. <laughs> too much, we gave them too much money. Um, but it was good. It, it was a good time. And, you know, it was kind of like an explosion that had gone off in our lives. Like, you know, not only were we like filmmakers all of a sudden, but we had like money and, you know, so there was a lot of distractions and, uh, you know, it's why it took so long for me to get back and do another film, you know, because it was kind of like so much, th so many things going on. And, uh, and, you know, we kind of like, I was 30 years old and I kind of wanted to catch up on life a little bit. Yeah. So I semi-retired for a little while. So, uh, but you have gone on to a very successful career and now you're a, a television director and tell us about what you're doing now. Greg Hale, who was the director who is the producer of Blair Witch, and I have been working together for about four or five years to try to get our own uh, TV show on the air. So I've been doing, like, a lot of TV directing, um, Supernatural and Dust Till Dawn and uh, Lucifer and Queen of the South. You know, I've done a bunch of shows, and it's a lot, it's just a lot of fun. And uh, Queen of the South is is renewed. It's it's That's a going concern. Yeah, which was a big success for us because we were like, you know, you never know. I worked on the, on the I've, I've been working on it since the second season, and we didn't know if it was going to be renewed. So it was a, it was a good, good welcome uh, news to, to get it on the, on the, you know, from the showrunners that, that the show had finally been renewed for a fifth season. So I'm very happy about that. Well, how did you feel about all of the copycat found footage movies that followed Blair Witch? I mean, you know, they, they ran that thing into the ground for 10 or 15 years. Yeah, you know, I mean, at, at first, you know, it was, I mean, it was cool. I mean, it's still cool. I mean, at any time somebody, you know, parodies what you're doing is kind of, you know, it, it's cool. You know, I, I never thought I'd be parodied. But, um, yeah, after a while, it just got, you know, there were people were sending us tapes all, you know, to our offices. We would have boxes boxes full of you know Blair Witch parodies um, but it's cool I mean you know it's crazy that the movie you know made that kind of impact that people would you know were going to go you know were inspired enough to go out and you know either make fun of it or do a copy of it or whatever you know just that thought I, I never thought I was you know inspired as a kid by Spielberg and Lucas yeah and uh, and, and you know I never thought I would inspire anybody to do anything so it's cool when people say oh you know your movie made me get out and go do it and i'm like that's awesome you know that's that's, that's the greatest praise you know what do you think of the horror films you see today i think there uh there's a there's a nice resurgence of of like real horror right now um you know i think the genre is as strong as it's ever been uh, you know, and it goes through its up and ups and downs but you know there's some uh, really interesting horror filmmakers out there right now um, that are just that are just starting out. I think there's kind of a new form, the kind of horror comedy like Get Out. And I was also a fan of The Perfection on uh, Netflix, if you saw that. No, I haven't seen it. And I liked uh, Ready or Not, again, a horror comedy. Uh, and particularly, you know, it just seems like that is sort of the new thing now. And I just wonder what you think of it. No, I, I love it. I mean, actually, I was up for the job on Ready or Not. They, they sent me the script and, you know, it just didn't work out. But um, 
I haven't seen the film yet, but I'm I'm trying to go see it today, actually. Actually, I highly recommend it to you. I'd be interested in what you think. Yeah, people have been telling me to, to check it out. I, I love the script. You know, I thought the script was really strong. Uh, I love it because I really, I mean, for me, like I come from kind of a, like if you, if you look at my early films, a lot of them were comedies. I never thought I would be a horror filmmaker. So for me to inject any kind of comedy into the genre, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's great. I want to mention that I had a great uh, experience uh, talking with you on stage at uh, Gaithersburg, at the Gaithersburg Art Barn, and as part of this 20th anniversary celebration and it's just great to uh, catch up with you and be in touch with you because we met when you were uh, a Montgomery College student. That's right, Arch. You uh, you you were cool back then too, man. You uh, you know, I I, uh, I didn't know anybody in the film business, so I was like, you know, I'll try to get a hold of Arch Campbell. You know, <laughs> you were nice enough to talk to me and give me advice, and you know, I really appreciated that. You know, so you've always been. Uh, very supportive of me and I you know just want to thank you for that man well you know because I love what you're doing and, and I'm I see years and years of stuff ahead and let me just uh, plug again the Weinberg Center in uh, Frederick October 18th and that should just be a wonderful night and uh, a discussion with you and then a showing of the movie and some of your cast and crew will be there too yeah yeah we're kind of doing trying to do like a maryland because you know we shot the movie in maryland and we shot it you know a lot of some of it in frederick county so we wanted to kind of bring everybody together and all the people that usually don't get to go to the 20th anniversary screenings and stuff just a lot all the people that worked on the film you know locally so and then a couple you know a couple of the actors are coming and producers so it's going to be a fun night for sure you know it's great to talk to you and continued success and congratulations on this anniversary and uh, who knows what's next for Eduardo Sanchez Thanks, Arch. Appreciate it. Okay, now a couple of other uh, anniversaries and uh, shout-outs I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, this is the 40th anniversary of Star Trek, the original movie. Are you aware of that? I knew it was a, I knew it was an anniversary. I, you know, I, I'm stu stunned it was 40 years ago. For years, uh, after Star Trek was early 60s, uh, mid-60s. And, you know, the fans, it's bring us a movie, bring us a movie. And finally, they did bring a movie. And I want to, they're going to show it in theaters September 15th and September 18th. And my career, I owe part of my career in Washington to Star Trek the movie. How's that? Because in uh, December of 1979, the world premiere was held here in Washington. And Channel 4 sent me, this was before I was the movie review guy, to cover the premiere. And it was a big deal. It's at the MacArthur Theater. The entire cast showed up. Wow. Uh, they showed the movie at the MacArthur Theater, and then they had a big party at the Air and Space Museum, which I think had just opened up. And uh, Nimoy was there, and Shatner, and uh, speaking all. of Shatner, I heard where did I read Arch over the, uh, that he had lost like forty pounds. He had to do. <laughs> he like went on a starvation diet he, before they started shooting that movie because oh, he yeah. put weight on since the sixties uh, in the TV series. Yeah, it was a huge event, and that was sort of the beginning of a lot of events like that in Washington. Uh, and the Motion Picture Producers Association kind of of saw that as, you know, if we had this worldwide event, we could have a bunch and, and we could lobby producers on Capitol Hill 
or lobby uh, Congress to give uh, favorable legislation to uh, movies. And uh, during the 80s and 90s, Washington was a film premiere, and it all started with uh, Star Trek the movie. So I have a a soft spot in my heart for that. And I want to give a shout-out to Carol Lindley. Are you uh, familiar with her? I remember her, her, sure. She uh, passed away on September 3rd, 77 years old. uh, She is probably best known for the Poseidon Adventure. Remember, she plays a singer. Oh, yes. And she, in the movie, she sings The Morning After. Remember the song, The Morning After? Sure, by Maureen McGovern. There's got to be a morning after. It's waiting right outside the store. Carol Lindley uh, is a singer on the ship. You know, it's the big boat and right, goes she's, upside She's like in, in the bar singing, right? Uh, except they dubbed her. She didn't actually sing. Hmm. Uh, the uh, singer was Renee Armand. So uh, she made a couple other good movies, Blue Denim and Bunny Lake is Missing, and uh, hasn't really done much uh, in the last several years. But she was, uh, she was quite a beauty. And uh, we're talking about radio... Bud Steele uh, passed away. Yeah, I heard Did you know that. Bud Steele? I, I knew Bud, yes. I definitely Did knew. Did you? Yeah. He that he was one of those legendary radio voices. Oh. He was the morning newsman on WMAL radio in the era of Harden and Weaver. And, uh, you know, we go out all over. Anybody who's got a uh, computer can listen to us. But in Washington, D.C., 40 or 50 years ago, Hardin and Weaver were uh, two of the biggest names in town. And they did a morning radio show that just was the wackiest thing. They played a hymn. They had the march of the day. <laughs> and uh, they did little voices. And uh, Bud Steele did the morning news. I know your speakers would vibrate anytime that guy's he voice the deepest voice. In the late 70s, I was doing the morning news on Channel 4. I was the morning news anchor. <laughs> I would, this is this is during your tenure as, uh, as entertainment reporter? No, this is before I got the movie gig. These were all the things I did to lead up to it. So this was about 19, this was 1979 again. And I'd come in at 5 o'clock and gather what news I could do. And mostly we just replayed stuff from 11 o'clock the night before. And the only source of news I had is that Bud Steele did a 5.30 a.m. newscast. And on his 5.30 a.m. newscast, he did all of the items that Larry Krebs oh. was an all-night cameraman running uh, running after wrecks and fires. Right. Shooting he was an film. ambulance chaser. Shot a little, you know, silent footage for Channel 7, and and uh, Channel 7 and WMAL were uh, allied at the time, owned by the same company. And so anything that happened overnight came on the 5.30 a.m. newscast. So I would listen to it and then re-report those things <laughs> you would, on the 6.45. You would recycle. <laughs> Yes, it was green. I was green back then. <laughs> you would recycle the news. It, <laughs> so, so I have a real soft spot for yeah. Bud Steele. Yeah, and, Bud was and Bud for, was so nice in the newsroom over at MAL. He was great. I was working on the FM side at uh, 107.3, but he, he was always very, very cordial. Let come by and 
you know, those were great, great days for radio. Yeah, they and, were. And uh, WMAL was really the last of the big-time city station. So so that's what we got today. Um, just let me remind you that you are listening to At the Movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz and a cast of thousands. So far, we had a cast of one, but we've mentioned a few <laughs> We've people. moved on. We're working on it. <laughs> we come to you from the worldwide headquarters of CATS podcasting, emanating from a bunker buried deep beneath Bethesda, Maryland. This is the CATS podcasting system. So here we are at Cats Podcasting. What else comes out of Cats Podcasting? This thing called Hound Radio. Hound Radio. <laughs> I see. You know, if you look on my Facebook page, the Arch Campbell Show, you will see today I am wearing a Hound Radio t-shirt. <laughs> we pass those out for Christmas gifts <laughs> to the staff of one. <laughs> Our big budget there. Can you buy one? You know, I, I was thinking about possibly having a store on the website, but my wife nixed that, nixed that idea. She didn't want to lick all those labels. <laughs> she didn't want to lick all the trips to the, to, to the, to, post, to office. the post office. Exactly. But Hound Radio is, oh. is an internet uh, adult contemporary a radio station on 24-7. It started out in April of 18, and it's still going strong. And we play all kinds of music. Was that 1918? <laughs> oh. Sometimes it feels like it. <laughs> our, our tagline is music, chat, this, and that. And uh, we do we, ca- we carry AP News, and we carry AP Showbiz Buzz, and we play a lot of music. We do weather forecast. It's just sort of something to keep me busy in between our, our podcasts here, and it's a lot of fun. We have a, a small but very dedicated audience. Well, and it's the music that was on Wash FM right. in their heyday, I think. Right. I, I always liked Wash best when it was... 60s, 70s, and 80s. Yeah. So it's it's a, it's a lot of fun. Keeps me busy, and uh, we also have a, we're on in our first uh, establishment, uh, Bethesda Bagels in beautiful downtown Bethesda. Oh yes, that and, that that is the official bagel of the uh, Arch and Lou podcast. Exactly, Bethesda Bagels. And as a have matter they of fact, any over this morning? No, but oh. I, I, it's funny you mention that because coming up in October, we're going to start going out to offices around the Washington oh, metro area. Yeah. You can be a part of the Hound Radio Bethesda Bagels Brunch Bunch. <laughs> and we're setting it up right now, but you'll have a chance to, to win a free brunch. I will come out personally. Bethesda Maybe bagels. I can drag you on one of our runs. Brunch. Bunch. Bunch. And the we're gonna, four Bs. Exactly. And we're going we're gonna to come out to offices, and we're going to bring bagels and cream cheese and juice and some desserts and stuff. It'll be a whole lot of fun. And so look for that well, cool. uh, through our website at houndradio.com. And Coming you give up next away month. movie passes. We give away Hound movie Radio. passes. We've given away DVDs. And, uh, oh, we, v- we, so VHS's we keep busy. Yeah. Beta. <laughs> We're giving away beta tapes. <laughs> you gave away tickets to uh, The Hustlers. Yeah, we gave away tickets to Hustlers. We got a new movie, Tickets to Abominable, which opens up September 27th. Have Abominable. you heard anything about that at all? Uh, I, is it about the snowman? It's a DreamWorks animation production Oh, uh, on the 2,000-mile adventure from the streets of Shanghai to the breathtaking Himalaya snowscapes. Looks very pretty, and we're going to have some free passes for you through our website, too. So. And let's see. Do we have an email address? Are we getting any email? Uh, once every couple months. <laughs> I think we get one or two. Uh, 
reach Arch at arch at houndradio.com. Oh. Or yours truly, Lou, that's L-O-O, at houndradio.com. You're listening to At The Movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz and a cast of thousands. And now, it is the moment Whoa. you have fast-forwarded to. <laughs> you have skipped all the other important stuff. Dear Arch, <laughs> I didn't listen to the back half of the podcast. Right. It is time for Ask Arch. Oh, the- Ask Arch. I love this section mm-hmm. of the program. The podcast feature that lets yes. you, our one and only listener... Ask the questions. This seems to have turned into a regular feature. It has for some oh, odd reason. Goodness! Hold on, let me let me get the envelope here. Oh, all oh, right, that's that's a tough one. Our first letter comes yes. from who have we heard from this week, Lou? A- Allison Alexander. Oh, where does Alexandria, she live? Of Alexandria. <laughs> Allison Alexander. Of Alexandria. Oh, and my. she writes. Well, I remember her. Uh, I thought she had moved to Arlington, but I no. guess not. I watched a horror movie about a guy who kills people. Oh, heavens. By poisoning their breakfast cereal. Oh, no. But I forgot what they call him. Oh, Arch, cool. can you help me? She saw a horror movie. I have a feeling that these questions uh, have a horror theme because we had Eduardo Sanchez on as our <laughs> guest. Right. So she saw this movie, and it's about a guy who poisons his victim's cereal. And what do, what do they go? Well, that is a serial killer. <laughs> but bing! <laughs> Allison Alexander. Thank of you. Alexandria. All right, let me open up another one here. Hold on. Sounds familiar. This one is from Latanya Horn. Latanya Horn. Of, uh, of Arlington. I knew a Latanya. Mm-hmm. And she writes, Arch, television producer. sometimes at night I mm-hmm. see witches. <laughs> I see witches flying past my window <laughs> on brooms of all things. You know, I would leave off the ambient if I were you <laughs> why? to begin with. Please, Arch, tell me why they fly on brooms. She sees witches flying past her window at night. And the question is, why do witches fly on brooms? I do have an answer for that. I saw this the other day. They fly on brooms because vacuum cleaners are too heavy. <laughs> okay. And finally. Yes. Another yes. one here. Yes. Who have we heard from? Hold on. Oh, it's Andy Poland again. Oh, Andy Poland. He likes oh, I love in. Andy. Wait a minute. Andy Poland. Andy Poland from that new sports station that no one's listening to yet. Oh, that's that, that isn't sports that, isn't that the one that Tony Kornheiser is going to work on? Too, right? I understand Tony Kornheiser is going to be right. working on on the old WMAL. Right. Now it's some other call that WSBN. WSBN. Right. This is WSBN. Mm-hmm. Washington. All right. Andy Wright. Andy Poland. I watched a movie about a mummy. Yes. That had a narcissistic set of tendencies. Um, a narcissistic mummy. <laughs> why a would narcissistic a, mummy. Why would a mummy get like that? A narcissistic mummy. How does a narcissistic mummy get like that? Well, really? that's because he's all wrapped up in himself. <laughs> Andy Pullman. Oh, that Andy. Thank you, yeah. buddy. Tony Kornheiser, his podcast is going to be played. Oh, is that what they're going to be doing? Yeah, they're going to play his podcast. uh, 
at, so, in the noon hour on AM yeah, 630. For those so. of you who don't know about podcasting. <laughs> like us. I <laughs> oh, wish Tony the best on that one. So uh, I want to thank Eduardo Sanchez for being with us today. longtime friend and has certainly done well since the Blair Witch Project. And you can watch his show He's the director on Queen of the South, and I think it sounds like he's got some television projects cooking. So good for him. So best for him. Uh, we're taking next week off. We got some things we got to do, so we're not going to be here next week. But we will be back in two weeks, and in two weeks I will review Downton Abbey. Oh, Downton Abbey! Downton Abbey is coming to the theaters, and my wife Gina insists on seeing Downton Abbey with me, so she's excited about that. And uh, also, opening that we'll talk about next uh, in two weeks is Ad Astra. That's the one is, with Brad Pitt, right? Yeah. Looking for his father, who I think is is it Tommy Lee Jones plays his father. Uh, I'm not sure. Floating around in space. Hmm. I'm going to want to see that one for sure. Uh, if it's okay with you, you know, we talked about the Linda, Linda Ronstadt documentary. Right. And uh, I would like to end with another tribute to her by uh, playing today her cover of Roy Orbison's Blue by you it's a thrill to see it in this documentary and it's uh one of my favorite uh songs of hers linda ronstadt the sound of my voice uh look for that documentary it it's opening in theaters this week and i imagine in a few more weeks you can stream it on uh, cable and the internet so uh, watch out for that. Thank you for listening. I feel so bad. I got a worried mind. I'm so lonesome all the time. Since I left my baby behind on Blue Bayou. Saving nickels, saving dimes. Working till the sun don't shine Looking forward to happier times on Blue Bayou
fishing boats with their sails afloat. If I could only see that familiar sunrise through sleepy eyes, how happy I'd be. The Movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz and a cast of thousands comes to you by way of the Katz Podcasting System. Katz, America's number one name in delicatessens, Broadway musicals, and podcasting.